Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on the. We're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. Damien, we have to talk about Conor Whelan. My God, what a beast of a man he is. Like, I mean, I don't even know where to start with, with him. He, like, we know that he's built like a tank. Um, his two goals are out of the very top drawer. He chases lads down and practically bullies them to take the ball off them. Like, I mean, he, he's turned into a, a, a beast of a man. Yeah, well, I've been talking about Conor Whelan now, uh, Colin, for a long time. So he's, and he's been always best forward for the last two years. So he, has, he was a sensational minor. His last year as a minor hurler, so he, was, he basically carried a Galway minor team on his own. So he just, and he was t- tightly, tightly marked against Limerick in the All-Ireland Finals two years ago. And he, he was his goal that really brought Galway back into it that game as well. But the man's an animal. So he's an absolute <laughs> animal. He's a beast. He's a tank. So he, is, he worked hard for the team. And like I was critical of the Galway hurlers in the last couple of weeks that they're not scoring goals. But the only goal-scoring threat for Galway in the last two to three years has been Whelan. You know, and he's the only one that's prepared every time to get the ball to drop the shoulder and take on the man and like his two goals just were unbelievable but the second goal in particular yeah. the one where he, he basically manhandled Ronan Maher you know and like Ronan Maher is a big strong physical man and he got around him and got away from him so he did, and it was the finish but he's, he's lethal so he's, he's lethal and they, like, you could play Whelan out centre forward he'd be equally as effective but I think Galway kind of has to play him inside because so, they need a goal stretch which sometimes can be a disadvantage for the likes of Whelan but he's a top-class forward. He's, 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 I, I, I've been raving about him for a while. He reminds me of a younger Joe Cooney. So he would left-hand on top. He's a great player. Yeah, because he, he, he played the first half. He, sta- he burst onto the scene as a wing forward, didn't he? And then he's, he played yesterday in the first half out in the half-forward line. They used him very well yesterday. They had him out in the half-forward line against the wind and he did a lot of work. And then in the second half, they played him inside. We'll talk about the game um, a bit more in part two. But, like, I mean, you're right. The second goal was just unbelievable. The catch was unreal. 
uh, he caught it like in mid-air and then took it around Ronan Maher, played it into his hand and there was a big swerve on that on that goal from a really impossible angle. Yeah, he's, the big thing about him, Colm, is he has too many going for. So yeah. he's, and he's a big, strong man and he's not able to put, afraid to put up the hand. Like, and even that goal against Limerick in the All-Ireland final two years ago, like he caught that ball as well So he did, and he put it into the back of the net. He's able to win his own, his own ball but the big thing about him is he's, he's extremely comfortable on the ball. Uh, Colm and the one thing about him if you watch him in all the games when he gets the ball his first instinct is to turn and hit for goal yeah. as in to turn and, sh- and go towards the goal post where an awful lot of forwards they sometimes get the ball and they'll drift back out the field to take maybe the easier score but he burst onto the scene Cunningham brought him into the squad so he did he burst onto the scene so he did uh, he was straight in corner forward so he was with um, with Galway and he's a, he's, a, he's a super finisher as well with the ball like I think last year he got five or six points in one in one game from place with it, but he's a, he's a massive goal threat for Galway. You said to play him out the field in the first half because he's so comfortable on the ball to help out. But in the second half, when they knew they had the wind in Pierce Stadium, they played him inside and launched ball into him, and uh, he he had a brilliant game. He does, and he's also Galway hundred year. Just to people might know that he 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 won Galway hundred year uh, last year season, and he was well deserving of it, you know. And he's a massive part of Canvara hurling club and like. He's been carrying them for the last couple of years, and uh, and he's a genuine fella, and he's a genuine hurling young lad. So he is, and uh, I'm delighted for him. Yeah, no, his outstanding stuff is just the way he's able to bully lads off. In the in the second half, Ronan Maher had a four or five yards on him, and you could see Connor Whelan hunting him down. And I'd say Ronan Maher knew, and the minute Whelan got a, any bit of contact on him, Ronan Maher was all over the place, and he ended up robbing the ball off him. Like I mean, he had no right to win that ball. Like he's a real fans' favourite. Um, from that point of view, come here. Do, do, have you ever seen a team like Limerick? Um, they're almost like the, the globe trotters of of hurling. I've never seen a team do as many flicks and as many fancy bits and pieces, and not not in a showboating way. All effective um, flicks. We have Garrod Hegarty does it all the time. He he did it the other night. We had um, Dempsey. Um, we had uh, David Dempsey. He he chopped it back up into his hand. Um, then we had Boyle and the wing forward put it between his legs for a point for Graham Mulcahy. Like, have you ever seen a team do this as much on a consistent basis in league hurling? Yeah, prob- probably not when you're after bringing it to my attention. Probably not. But that Limerick team, uh, Colin, are incredibly skillful. And they're all young lads. It's just, it's unbelievable. But it, I'd say myself, Knork is the trainer there, as you know, and the coach. I wouldn't be surprised if he had them doing stuff like this just to have it in their locker for the day of matches like uh, Keane Lynch has been doing six constantly so yeah. he has you know and uh, like they're just unbelievably unbelievably skillful uh, team so they are and they're strengthening their team and in strengthening their squad again um, this year so they are and I was extremely impressed just on the the Limerick um, water I was extremely impressed with uh, David Dempsey the other day at full forward I think he's going to nail down a position at full forward but they've got so much talent it's unbelievable uh, no more than Mulcahy the other corner forward like that guy that, in my opinion that guy was finished three years ago until Knurk came on the scene and now the man is just absolutely flying it yeah. so uh, it is lovely it's lovely to see and they'll only get better when the ground gets harder there'll be more there'll be more flicks and more skill but level here, when the yeah. ground gets harder during summer but here's you know? the thing here's the thing any inter-county hurler would probably be able to do that but maybe they're not encouraged to do it because I, I saw Ingus Clark yesterday um, 
uh, he got fouled going through and the ball was just on the ground. He just put his foot against the ball and flicked it up off his foot back up into the air. Like any inter-county player can chop down on a ball back up into his hand, can't he? You see them doing it before before yeah. a match. But the, the Limerick seem to encourage their players to express themselves with this kind of skill and trickery during games, which I, I don't know about you, I, I wouldn't have seen that before. Yeah, it, it can be done, but not many players will try it in the match uh, column. Look at la- with during training sessions or after training sessions when you're putting the ball around or whatever, you'll be messing around with the little stick of the boot with the, with the hurl and the snap up into your hand or, or all this sort of stuff, right? But you wouldn't try it much in the match. So, that, but yeah, maybe Limerick encouraged the, the lads to hurl off the cuff and hurl with a bit of freedom and, and that type of stuff, right? But you, you're, the answer is you won't see much of it. You won't see much of it in the modern day game and you'll see less of it when it comes to championship because the championship will hype up another uh, amount of um, intensity. So you won't see much of it. But yeah, it's probably cool, as you said, to hurl off the cuff and whatever the feel free to do, you know, and they probably encourage that just to get the best out of the lads. Yeah, the Groot Hegarty goal was a thing of beauty. I think it was Dan Morrissey started it off with a brilliant catch and he played it back in field. It ended up with Keane Lynch. It ended up down with Aaron Galan. It ended up back out with Keane Lynch again. And the lovely diagonal ball to David Dempsey, who's got uh, a great pair of hands and he lays it off uh, to Groot Hegarty running through bank gold. Like, this is just, uh, for me, Limerick are just on another level to everybody else. But that that didn't just happen by accident, um, Colm. That's the type of drills they're doing at training. I, I'm telling you here now, they're doing drills that they're hitting the ball hand-to-hand, 20, 30, 40 yards uh, at drills, on the move, moving. Ball being struck to another man. He catches it, hand passes to another lad coming through at pace. Another stick pass to a lad 20 yards. That, that happens down at training in Limerick. I'm telling you, that stuff doesn't just happen the day of a match. They, they're they're being that's called ball ball hand drills, and that stuff is unbelievable. But uh, what's called same with um, Jason Ford's goal against Tipperary. That yeah. stuff has been practiced. The lovely ball hit straight into his hand, twenty five thirty yards, point, cutting the man over like this with a with a stick pass in the back of it. That's that's inter county. That's the best way for me to describe the difference between inter county um, training and club training. You're able to do it at a different level, and you're expected different standards. But that stuff, if you went to an inter county training with Limerick, I will guarantee you there's cones all over the pitch, and lads are hitting ball to cone. Another lad is moving. Another lad catching. Another lad hand pass. And next thing there could be a shooting drill. Yeah. So that didn't just happen by freak, but it was a. It was an absolutely gorgeous piece of play. It was a lovely hurling. And, and uh, it was Keen Darcy gave in that ball to Jason Ford. It was a beautiful ball because the point was on for him and you know a lot of new fellas on the scene would try and take their point um, there. But he, he, he but definitely... See, the thing that, but the reason for that, the reason for that column is that they like the Liam Sheedy and the Eamon O'Shea and these guys. They're, they're preaching about the team play. And what happened is Darcy got the ball, right? And he gave it in, as you know, to Jason Flynn and Flynn put him back. Them two players got praised after the match or at half time. And when you praise the lad for doing the right thing, he will continue to do the right thing. But there is managers out there, they'll only praise the lad that got the score. Like yeah. This. So it's all good practice and it's all about the team. But yeah, that's, what the, that's what's being preached. The man in the better position to get the ball. We need to score goals, create goals. There is opportunities for teams 
to get goals and sometimes they're taking their handy point but they were two they, they were two lovely goals over the weekend yeah out oh, of very tough draw so awfully got shell shocked um, yesterday this was unbelievable stuff they're six points up going into injury time um, two goals from Neil McManus and Conor McCann uh, in injury time and it was a draw at the end obviously Antrim went through awfully needed a win so it's Antrim and Kerry so awfully don't go up back up to Division 1 which is a huge kick in the arse to them you know after assembling a good um, uh, backroom team but there's some controversy and this has been going on in Gaelic football as well Damien so the referee played 6 minutes of injury time now Michael Dignan's even disputing the 6 minutes I don't know where he found 6 minutes in the second half and then played another 2 but that's hurling Dignan said now so he played the 6 minutes of injury time and then within that 6 minutes there's 2 extra minutes on the top of that 6 now without having seen the game we don't know exactly but referees are doing this now they're they're stopping the 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 clock in the injury time and adding extra injury time on top of the injury time and it creates an awful lot of confusion um, within the ground because nobody really knows what it's about. Well, I think that's amazing. Being just straight. All I know is uh, what they say is when you put on a sub, it's 30 seconds. You can, you can add on, you know, but just to say that there was six minutes additional time and then another two minutes, like just sometimes it's hard to believe where they get this you know, and it's not fair either on, on teams where the additional time uh, comes from. But uh, as I said, uh, I, I don't know myself, uh, Colin, but it's 30 seconds per sub. So if, if they brought on all their subs, but where the extra time, and it was a big kick up the backside off the yesterday, they would have been expected to win that game. And with a very good management team put in place, they would expect it to, you know, push on and get up into the next division. But that, that's a huge setback for them, so it is. Yeah, I think it's 20 seconds per sub. I'm, 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 I need to check that. But uh, no, I take, I definitely take your point. I don't know where where it came out of. And like, I mean, when you look at when you look at Offaly's league, they obviously would have hit the league hard. There's no way they wanted to stay in that division. And mm-hmm. they lost to Kerry by six points, drew with Antrim, and they struggled over Mead. You know, so it's not, it definitely hasn't been a good... Um, it definitely hasn't hasn't been a good start for Offaly, but so but one county it has been a good start has been Westmead, and we're going to have to leave it there, Damien, because we know obviously Westmead beat Carlow to avoid relegation yesterday, and their manager Shane O'Brien joins us on the line now. Shane, how's it going? Good now, Colin. Yeah, thanks. All good. All good this morning. Anyway, any celebrations last night? Um, yeah, I'm sure there was. I'm sure the lads had a good night. All right, but uh, I don't really tend to get involved with that. Side of things, I just I let them at it. So uh, hopefully they enjoyed themselves anyway. They deserved, yeah, the night out to celebrate, and uh, it was well earned anyway. They definitely did deserve it. It was a convincing win, really, wasn't it, Shane? Like I mean, it was one seventeen to two eight, but you were in control for most of the game, other than maybe a little dodgy part in the second half when Carla got the two goals. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was. I suppose we made hard work there in the second half. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I wouldn't say we were comfortable, but we put in a good, consistent performance. First half in particular, I felt we were very strong and played very well against the Breeze, and it gave us some bit of a cushion going into the second half. But um, look, they like any game, they had their purple patch in the second half, and they kind of caused us a few problems. Uh, we lead two goals, but we fair to the lads that they, they took at it and kept their composure at the end, and we came away with a, a crucial win. Yeah, the second goal was a bizarre goal. I haven't seen an OG like that before. I'm sure Angus got the brunt of a bit of slagging in the dressing room after the match. Oh, he did, he did. And Joey Boyle being the first man to, to congratulate, congratulate him on it. So, uh, look, Angus, he's absolutely outstanding, uh, both on and off the pitch. And what a game he had again yesterday. He's just been so consistent throughout this whole league campaign. 
and um, no matter what's been thrown at him, he, he always responds and he he's just an absolutely exceptionally uh, gifted uh, hurler and we're very lucky to have him. Killian Doyle, another exceptionally gifted hurler, won 14 yesterday, like he gave an exhibition, I think maybe the most impressive was the sideline he got and that was at a really crucial part of the game, you know, after those Carlo goals. Yeah, it was. Uh, he did something very similar in last year's Joe McDonough final in Crow Park, but um, when you don't win games, these things are forgotten about, you know, but we know that he has those skills um, and his free taking yesterday was, was superb again. Um, and, you know, Killian has had a, has a, had a tough few weeks and months. He's had uh, an operation that he had to, he spent a good few months in rehab and then he came back, he played one game and, and he broke, his, broke his, a bone in his hand after about 15 minutes. Um, so then he was he was out again for another few games, but he's come back and uh, still has a, a bit of work to do with his fitness. He knows that himself, but he, he, he'll come good now in the summer again, I'm sure. Jesus, if he wasn't at full fitness yesterday, he's he's in a good place anyways, if he's scoring 114 like that. Now you have it, now you have it, absolutely. <laughs> um, and come here, do you, do you plan for the conditions like that, um, Shane? Because, you know, you might have a style of play and the way you like to, you know, you, you like the team to play and then you have a gale force wind in your back and all of a sudden is there a temptation to maybe change that a little bit or, you know, or even against the wind, the, the opposite? Yeah, funnily enough, I think nearly in all of our games we've had, we've had those type of conditions. Yeah, um, in the league. As you see up and down the country in all the, in all the National League games. Um, and especially in venues like Salt Hill, and that there's always there always seems to be a wind in there. But um, you know the the bizarre thing about Westmead is traditionally the, the lads themselves are very keen to to play the first half against the breeze, and they like playing against the breeze. That type of hurling that they play, you know. Um, so yeah, you do have to you do have to take that into consideration. And certainly in the second half, the last thing we wanted to do was to be taking shots from ridiculous angles and, and from ridiculous distances, even though there was one man who proved us all wrong and did that <laughs> in Killian. But, he, you know, um, as you said, he he's an outstanding game and uh, some, some super scores. So, Camille, I saw you saying after the game, I don't think we can underestimate how significant it was for the development of hurling for the Westmead public to see us playing against the top teams. Like, I mean, a lot of people, including me, would say it's very unfair to throw Westmead in with those you know, other All-Ireland, you know, the last three All-Ireland champions and all these really strong teams that it might be fair to put you potentially in 1B with Leash and, you know, Leash and Dublin and Carlo or whatever. You think being in with those teams has had a brilliant effect on, on, on everything? Yeah, I was saying to somebody after the game yesterday, the bizarre thing is, despite the fact that we took um, some heavy defeats and that the morale in the camp was hugely positive and... You know, there's been a fantastic atmosphere in all the training sessions, and um, Frank Flannery has been driving the training, and, and Paulie and the lads. And you know, every single session, there still is that buzz coming away, both before and after the training. And it's a credit to everybody involved that they that they remained upbeat. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges we had um, from the get-go, facing into, as you said, the last three All Ireland champions. We were always very conscious of, you know, the possible damage that that heavy defeats could cause. But you know, the lads themselves as you saw, we're, we're very close to pulling off a big scout against Cork and, and we were very, very close against Limerick as well down there. So we put in some fantastic performances and um, had one or two off days as well, especially against Galway the first day out. But um, I think that was the biggest the biggest challenge to have that, you know, <clears throat> I suppose to, to maintain that positive 
spirit within the within the setup, you know. Yeah. So do you, do you think obviously playing against those all those really top teams and experiencing you know their speed of touch and you know their skill levels and all the rest of it, then when you go back to playing Carlo and this is no disrespect to Carlo, there Carlo are on leash and Westmead's level. You know, did you see uh, did you see your team being a level better than they had been last year, for example? Yeah, look, there's no doubt about it. Like anything in life, once you know, if you're performing with people that are a little bit better than you, um, it does bring your game on once you're not annihilated, which we yeah. certainly were not. But um, no disrespect to, to some of the teams we played last year, but like this time last year, we were playing London and, and Mayo, and, and you know, there's absolutely no comparison to going down to the Semple Stadium, playing the All Ireland champions, and, and trying to, you know, uh, Put yourselves up against these top class teams. The, the whole, the whole thing, and that that is it. You avoided hammerings, and that, like I mean, so you took positives out of probably every game. Maybe Galway game was probably the worst beating, but like you said, against Cork, Waterford, and Limerick, you came out of those, even though you lost them, saying that they were really good performances. So you were lucky in that regard. Like I mean, I often say to Cheddar Plunkett here on the show, who's always banging the drum for the weaker counties is getting the experience of playing the top teams better or is the, you know, the, the improvement you'll get from playing the top teams, does that balance all against the lack of morale from losing all the time or getting hammered? You know what I mean? It's, it's a difficult one. Yeah. I just think, personally, I think once you're competitive and they're, they're thereabouts, there's always going to be learnings from these games. And the first day out was going to be a massive adjustment um, psychologically as much as anything else. There was a lot of, pressure on us um, going to, to play Galway away from home. They had a new management team, Shane O'Neill, um, and we knew what we were up against, but at the same time, there was a lot of uncertainty as well, you know, and I think once we got that out of the way, the lads then kind of got a bit of confidence within themselves, and so yeah, look, there's, there's nothing really to fear here as such, you know. Yeah, cause so, yeah, um, yeah, I suppose often, often it's the fear of of not knowing and not having played them, like they actually, the Westmead lads exactly. realised that we're not that far away. Yeah, and it, it went from that, you know, hoping, I suppose, to, to expecting performances then, like we were hoping for a performance the first day out. Um, but from then on, we were kind of expecting them to, to deliver because we knew what they were capable of. And I suppose for their own selves, for the players to, to see that as well, you know. Yeah. So how are you enjoying the management side of it? You obviously worked as a coach with Joe Quaid. Um, you, were, you were the coach, obviously, sure. for him. You have Flank Frannery in now as your coach. So you're just managing now. You're not, you've, you're, you managers now have so many people to organise. Probably, you probably don't have time to coach yourself. I know. I still, look, I love, I absolutely love coaching, but I, I um Frank has that main responsibility this year, but I, I obviously help out and so do the other coaches. But no, I adore every every minute of it, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and it's such a privileged position to be in and it's an honour to, to lead a group like this. And, uh, you know, what 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 more would you want to be to be putting yourselves up against the top teams in the country? And, and uh, as I said, no, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. So Alan, uh, Flank Flannery, obviously, he worked under Kieran Kingston. You have Alan Kearns in there. In fairness to you, you've put together a pretty good uh, backroom uh, team. Like, I mean, that, there's a sports psychology in that in itself that the players look at that and go, Jesus, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things this year, we have, you know, such a great balance within the management team. And... The, as you see, the, the level of expertise, the likes of Alan Kearns and Brendan Murta, Paul Greville, Paddy O'Neill and, and Frank Flannery, you know, these are all fellas that have done so much in the game and uh, 
you know, I'd be looking up to them. But again, there's there's no egos, and as as I said, we we gel so well together, and we we um we're, we're working very very well together. I, I saw an interesting quote. You had a, a piece in the Independent. You said you felt you overanalyzed things as a player. I was quite nervous playing. It was the whole fear of making mistakes, the fear of being criticized that restricted me. Like I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. maybe you're not a pushover as a manager, but if like I mean, do you do you still are you able to you know give them a bollocking when you want to, or do you kind of use your own experiences? Well, no, I, I cringe when I hear that stuff back. But anyway, um, so ah, look, you need you need a mixture of personalities within within the dressing room, and that's one of the great things. I think we choreograph it well between us. You know, we can, um, we've as I said, everybody brings different strengths to it. But uh, you, you know, I'm. Uh, what was your question again? Sorry. <laughs> well, like I mean, I suppose the fear of being criticised. Like I mean, uh, managers have to be critical at times. I know that was that was more as a player when I, I think I was reflecting back on, as a player. Look, I'm well able to take criticism, and you have to take it when you're, you know, in a position like this. But as a player, I just felt I I kind of crumbled a little bit under pressure and didn't respond well to criticism. So I think the angle I was coming at with that was more to do with maybe having a bit of empathy as a manager and understanding that lads, you know, we've all different personalities in the dressing rooms, and some fellas might like it a belt of a hurl across the table or a shout and a roar another fellow might need an arm around the shoulder you know yeah. well, or, suppose... or you might have the, you might have the approach like, like that uh, book down in Kerry with fellas <laughs> on the ground and else, but... So a, a little birdie told me you might have had a little bit of help up in the stand in Cusick Park yesterday Yeah that's, that's right uh, uh, we had we, we were very fortunate to have a, a man up there who has incredible experience and who's highly, highly thought of by the players and, and management like Michael Ryan, the former Westmead manager, was up with us. Uh, he's in regular contact with me, but he he offered to come up and help out with the stats up in the stand, would you believe? So he was up there analysing the opposition and he was in our team meetings in the dressing room afterwards and, and the players just absolutely adore him. But what a man, what a man, where would you get it? Like he's he's incredible. His whole passion is just so infectious and he's so genuine and built up such a relationship with these players, you know, so it's a credit to both the team and, and obviously to him um, that that he's willing to do such a thing, you know. Yeah, geez, that's fantastic altogether. So you, you, he would have given you stats at half-time. Like, imagine a former manager being humble enough to go up into a stand and do stats. Now you have it, now you have it. He's just the most humble man. And, uh, you know, back in, in November, we did a charity event, um, a fantastic night, and... Of course, Michael offers his services, comes up, comes up from, from Waterford and kept the whole place entertained for the night. But uh, no, he's an absolutely fantastic man. But it just shows you within the GA, you have so many different, you know, characters that are so supportive. And even in my own club, Kula, I have fellas coming, coming up from Dublin to support me. And we had another man there, Dublin Jerry, who goes to all the Dublin matches, who was supporting Westmead for the last few games as well so it's fantastic <laughs> to see all, all the support Oh I know Dublin Jerry well from outside Croke Park a, a great character Yeah well Dublin Jerry was in about our dressing room yesterday anyway, <laughs> so he's a fantastic character Jeez you'll turn the all sorts of documents and whatnot. Right he'd melt now if he put on any jersey other than a Dublin jersey I'm sure Oh he had the, he had the Dublin the Dublin coat over the <laughs> knees down to down to the ankles nearly with the Arnott sponsorship on it but what a man he's absolutely fantastic he's been at our, some of our training sessions as well but they're the characters you need in the GA and I said Michael Ryan the same you know yeah, fantastic men humble and, and uh, you know that, that's what keeps us all going So what's the plan now? Um, you're finished pretty early like I mean the, the counties in quarterfinals have two 
quarter, semi and finals, they've got three matches left. You're you're done now until the Joe McDonough. Yeah, look, it's a very uh, tricky thing to, to manage from a logistical perspective. You know, we we um, we have to like we we kind of have a provisional plan put together, but we're not out. As you said, we're not out now until the the eighth or ninth of of May. You know, so it's a massive gap, and we have to let the players go back to to their clubs to to prepare for their club championships, both hurling and football. So we're very much restricted, and I know some of the other counties don't have club championship, but um, it's it's not ideal. And I think you know this. This debate has been going on for so long now with the whole club and county thing, but um, this is definitely a challenge for us, um, you know, going forward now, the logistical the logistical challenges, but we'll, we'll, we'll get over it anyway. Well, that's it, because you, you know that you, you like momentum is such a big thing and you've got great momentum. I'm sure if you were training now tomorrow night, there would be a great buzz at training. You're staying up. You've beaten Carlo, who are a bit of a bogey team at times for you. You know, you've put it up to some of the big teams. That's what you need to build on. But it's difficult to build on it, I suppose, when you're almost finishing this season and starting another one for the Joe McDonough. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. You know, you have you have two seasons and, and uh, you have to kind of start again. And we'll look at our focus. Where I'm going to be sitting down with Mike Frawley, the strength and conditioning coach, and, and, and look at the how we're going to plan that out. Mike has great experience with Wexford and, and, and Claire, where he worked with David Fitzgerald. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll look and see what, what we're going to do from a physical perspective and then, We'll, we'll look at our our, um, our training and her from a her perspective as well. Yeah. So just yeah, just to finish up, the Joe McDonough takes on extra significance really this year because there's a six-team Leinster Championship, you know, next year. So like, I mean, there's a chance of yeah. going into Leinster and staying in it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the I think if you if you look at all the teams in the Joe McDonough, there's very very little between them. You know, there's a toss of a coin between. Nearly all of the teams, you know, you've Antrim, you've Kerry, where we got beaten by Kerry last year in Mullingar, and we were very lucky. We had a fantastic performance to, to beat Antrim, um, but they're a top class team. And then obviously we've Carlo again and local neighbours, local rivals, Mead. So um, all of those games are going to, you know, be, be huge challenges for us, but we'll, we'll embrace them and look forward to them anyway. Yeah, well, listen, Shane, thanks very much for taking the call, and I hope you, you bridge the whatever nine-week gap and you're back you're back ready for the Joe McDonough all the best Spot on thanks to me and the yeah. game takes on can very very often and take on a life of its own What's tactics? I mean, you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, you hand it over to the players and the players play, you know. The game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really, you know. And you don't have too much influence on what's happening. What happened last year, it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was. Tipperary, don't go away. The air is the air. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often and take on a life of its own. So Galway 3.21, Tipperary 3.13. This was a great game, Damien, wasn't it? Like you, you, you would know in comparison to other games we've seen on, on Sundays that there was something proper riding on this. Oh, you was. This was, this was kind of a bit of tempo now. Yeah. Was, you know, and I, was worried, I was worried about Galway now at, at half-time because Tip were after taking a bit of a lead. And were, you know, even though Galway were, were hurling 
quite well they were getting points on the board yeah. but as you know we're after leaking goals to John McGrath and being honest with you I'd say Eamon O'Shea and Liam Sheedy would have been a bit disappointed with John McGrath he did score a third one you know but, the, but for viewers that weren't there there was an awful wind so there was, and there was a couple of awful showers and the wind was going down as we call it to the tip we'll say to John McGrath in, in the first half which Galway availed of that wind in the second half, which we said to put in um, Connor Wheel in the second half. But it was, there was a bit of bite in this now. There was a bit of tempo in it. And uh, I think Galway needed to win it more, especially just for momentum. And they're blooding a lot of players. And plus the game was at home. So I think it was an important win for Galway. I was surprised, you know, that they won it by so much, particularly at, at half time. But it was, a great, it was a great win. And the likes of uh, Whelan was a massive, massive uh, uh, plus to the winning that game. Yeah, but look, I mean, I think you're right. I think Galway were the better team right throughout the game. I think the goals flattered Tipperary a little bit. I thought even against the wind, Galway played very well. Like, I mean, you know, they, they gave as good as they got in that first half. It was just some poor defending, um, <coughs> you know, that they ended up conceding three goals. But that, that was it. They were just defending. They was letting them down. And like McGrath got got two two goals. He should have scored a third. And then uh, Jason Four got the the third one. They could, you know, but Galway were hurling well. Like they had way more points scored than Tipperary. They were hurling well. But uh, we were lucky then that we had the wind in the second half. Galway had, and we put what we call our dangerous players inside and got the ball uh, down to them. So then, and Galway really made hay in the second half. But they wanted to win it more. I think. I think the rumor is that Tipperary are gone in the training training camp or training week this year this week so with them gone on that now they'll train a lot harder as opposed to having to go play Wexford now at the weekend but I think the Wexford Galway game now at the weekend that'll be a big test now for Galway and it's great to be getting these tests especially for the younger players because it, it, Shane O'Neill will learn a lot more about the lads as well. and the lads are going quite well now to be fair they were under fierce pressure three weeks ago now they're in a, what we call in a, a quarter final which, which is good for Galway and it was good for them to win and crack up a lot of scores and score goals yeah, what did you make of McInerney at, at full back there? And obviously, Colleen was taken off, and Darren Morrissey, you know, was under pressure. I think he swapped across onto John McGrath after the first goal. Yeah, Paul Colleen was, was left for that. Yeah, he's a good player, that Morrissey. He was captain of the Galway Miners, I think, it was a two or three years ago. He's from Starfield. Very, very good player. And McInerney, I th- what I like about McInerney, you could play McInerney sitting forward and tell him what you want to done and the instructions, and he will do it. That's the one. He's a he's a brilliant, brilliant manager. But he's playing full back. He told Tamar Shamey Cannon, and he, and and he done a brilliant man marking job on Shamey Cannon. So he was so like it's given options to O'Neill where he wants to play Dahi Burke maybe centre back. You know, just even an option, or yeah. even put Dahi Burke out wing back or whatever. But um, McInerney, McInerney's a great lad. He didn't. He, he, he didn't deal. He, with, he didn't. De- he didn't deal with a couple of high balls, though, did he? Like a couple of the the John McGrath's second goal came off a high ball that dropped into the square and it wasn't dealt with. And yeah. there was another ball dropped in around there. I don't think anything came off it, but I don't know. I thought Dahi Burke, you know, is coming out and he's batting those away or he's he's catching those. Yeah, well, you're you're probably right on that, right? But the ball broke. You know, may, maybe the argument is our cornerback should have done a bit better on John McGrath. There, but you, but you are right. Okay, he didn't deal with that that ball very well. But look, what I like about it is it may be another option. If, for example, if if Galway need a powerhouse to come out centre back twenty minutes that they can throw back McInerney, it's just giving another option to the team. But yeah. I, I like McInerney. I I think he's able to do a job. And the one thing I like about him when he comes out with the ball in the full back line, he look up, he'll give a little stick pass or he'll throw a hand pass to one of the wing backs. 
but it's just another option. And and this is the time to look at these options in the league. And, but it, on on that, I think he did very well on Shamie Cannon. I know Shamie Cannon has to get back to his full fitness and sh- match sharp, but he did pretty well in them now. Yeah, no, he did. He definitely did. Well, I think Callum was out in the half forward line at the start, and then was went back in to the full to the full forward line. One thing that I thought was very poor from Tipperary's point of view, it was two one two inside. So they left they left in uh, Connor Whelan and Con Cannon, who ran a muck in the second half with the wind, a strong wind. Now. Was that not a weird one? Liam Sheedy said after the game, obviously it was 2-1-2 two two inside and they exposed us today and that's something we have to take away and learn. Now for both goals, you can see Conor Whelan scoring and Paddy Marr desperately attempting to get back but Nyland being in the shot as well. So Paddy's obviously staying on Nyland as long as he can and then would it not have been a day with the wind to leave somebody full? I know Tipperary don't do sweepers but Christ, away from home against a wind like that, would it not be time to leave a, lad, a covering player back there? So I will, yeah, and usually leave Parik Maher back. But you're right, they, there was a huge win there and, and they had a bit of a lead. They should have kind of dropped the man back and like Whelan and Kulkanen were making hay inside. Yeah. Like they were causing huge, huge problems. And then Mannion was kind of growing into the game. So he was, you know, and we can't forget either uh, Evan Nyland. Like he had a great, he had a great little game. He, I know he's small and he's, a, he's actually a brilliant free taker, but he was very heavily involved. He was very lively, but... Uh, Tipperary were naive. They were. They genuinely yeah. were naive. They, especially, and they were under pressure. But as the saying is, they're, they're on about, they learn from it. They, they, they need to learn from it because Galway pushed on. And once, and once uh, Whelan got the goal, geez, there, was, there was no letting up then. So Galway really pushed on and, and won it. But yeah, when they, especially against the wind, they should have, I think they should have played an extra man back or they should have pulled everyone back uh, a notch. But maybe it, was good, maybe it was good game management by the Galway players. Maybe they pulled out the field a little bit and created a lot of space inside for the Kulkannons and the Connor Whelans and the Evan Nylans. You know, well, Evan Nyland was kind of Roman. You know, so it was, good, it was good game management. Maybe it was a good game plan by Shane O'Neill. Yeah, no, de- no, definitely. It was good to leave the two of them inside. And some of the ball that they gave into them was outstanding. Like, I mean, I know a big frustration from you is half-backs, especially with the temptation of a strong wind is half-backs and midfielders getting it and, and driving it, trying to go drive it over the bar, and sometimes they go over, sometimes they don't. It was some controlled performance by Galway to give in those lovely diagonal balls, always in the forward's favour. Yeah. Cannon looked like he was a ball winner, when I don't think he's a ball winner, but he is when the ball is suiting him. Do you know what I mean? And his, some of his skill was yeah. great. But Four. like Galway, Galway yeah. definitely looked like they were coached really well on the type of quality uh-huh. ball two lads like them want inside. Colm, you talk to any defender in the county or in the country, right? The worst ball you can get as a defender is a ball that's been hit diagonally as what I call a 70-30 ball in the, in the favour of the forward. And just to give one example of yesterday's piece of play, David Burke got a ball yesterday and he just looked up and he seen Kulkanen in the far corner and he drove the ball 70-30 out. So Kulkanen had that five yards to beat his man, controlled it, and he had drove it over the bar over his shoulder. But they're the worst def- type of ball for any defender to get. And it's okay sometimes when you're Conor Whelan, for example, is able to win his own ball. But the, some lads like to get the 70 touch ball. Like I, I wasn't always the strongest in the air, but when the ball was on the ground, I, was, I used to always favour myself to win the ball. So it's, but the 70 touch ball, and, they, and you're 100% right, that didn't just happen back. That's been spoken about in the dressing room. David Ford with Galwind and Fergal Healy are both selectors. They both played in the four line. So it would be discussed. And 70 30 ball. This, did you ever hear the saying, Colm? There's no such thing as a bad ball. That's the greatest load of heartstone that I ever heard in J 
Like, there's no, there is a thing as a good ball and a bad ball. And it was brilliant to see Galway looking up and hitting in what I call a 70-30 ball. And in favour of the forward, and we got scores from it. Yeah, so that's something Galway can build on then, Whelan and Concanon inside with some nice ball um, being whacked down into both corners for their movement. Like, I mean, is that a starting point now for, for Galway uh, moving forward? Are we too, am I judging too much on one performance by Concanon? Although he's played pretty well this league, I think. It's not just an isolated good game well, by him. And, he's, and, and, he, and being honest with you, he, he was the start of the forwards taking on the ball and creating goals. Uh, so he was. He can, he's not a bad yeah. runner at all, so he's not in. Like, he, he's only going to improve, Con. You know, he still, he still has to build up a little bit. He's from Climber Daly. He's, he's a good forward. He's lively, and, and he's not afraid to take a score either. But yeah, you need to build on something. Limerick are at it now for a long time, in what I call the 70 30 ball. The likes of Mulcahy. Yeah. So it is. Is is re- is really really gained off it. Like, but this hit and hope. Uh, the, uh, me, me as a coach, right? I will accept the hit and hope if you're under severe pressure. But sometimes you're not under severe pressure like this, and all, all of a sudden you're hitting. And you know who can be very wasteful at times? Just when we go back to the Galway tip game, is Parig Maher. He can often he score two or three great points. But he can often hit two or three long range rides. I say it can be very frustrating for the Shamey Canlans or the Jason. Uh, Forward to this world, but like there has to be a game plan, and the game plan has to be has to be seen to you know. And uh, I, I, Galway played very well yesterday. It was a great it was a great win for them, but hopefully they can build on it. But yeah. the big challenge against Wexford so it is next day. Big challenge. I do, I do, I think you're right, and I think I don't, I think there was a big contrast in how uh, Tipperary used the win. They were just driving it down there, hoping something would happen. Like Seamus Kennedy uh, trying pot shots, you know. Like I mean, I don't think Tipperary used that wind in anywhere near the same kind of controlled manner that Galway did. And I thought that was a big improvement because I know Michal Donoghue, when he was the Galway manager, they probably would have just got it down there as well, would they? I think there's a, yesterday, to me, there was a bit of a difference in how Galway were, were approaching. Now, maybe they have to. They've no Johnny Glynn and they've no Joe Cooney and they've no fellas who you could probably drive it down to. Yeah. Well, it's all, you can drive it down to someone in the edge of the box, um, column, if you have a big man in there that's willing to put up his hand and catch it or even live off the break, which which uh, John McGrath got a goal uh, yes, from. That's an example of living off the break and, and you get a goal. But sometimes you've got to play to the strength of the players inside. Like, there's no point playing a high ball into um, what's called N- Nyland. Like, he's a small player. No more than I wouldn't think um, Brian Cullcannon would be the greatest man as well in the air. Right? So you've got to play to the strength of the team. So hitting in 70-30 ball, I think, is very important. Or what you ever hear the lads saying, working the ball through the line or carrying it and giving the hand pass. So like, it, hopefully this will be something because that type of play is lovely type of hurling to watch. Clare used to do it a couple of years ago as well. They've gone kind of more to a direct route maybe uh, this year. But the likes of Kilkenny had to change their style as well, remember, in the last two years to try suit the players inside. But now I, li- I personally like the 70-30 ball. I used to love it. You could be on the edge of the square column like this, and next thing you see one of the lads getting the ball, and next thing you make a run, and it's driven out into the space where you're coming to run onto it. And tip, tip are big ad. They were very big ad in last year's championship. Now, they didn't, they didn't do it yesterday, but the tip are going to get better. Simple as that. That's They're the going thing. to get better when it comes to summer. But... Uh, Hopefully, the start of something something good for Galway. The thing about Tipperary, though, and like I mean, you talk about Tipper going to get better, and that's what everybody says. But like I mean, I don't know. Like I mean, Tip weren't weren't favourites for the All Ireland last year. After Limerick hammered them in the Munster final, they played against Leash and they weren't fancied at all. And then they got a spark. 
I'm not sure Tipperary are the team that can show no form at all and then just turn it on like a tap. I'm not sure if he. I'm not sure if they're playing a smart game along. Like uh, the analysis right now is that oh Tipperary are just bubbling along and they're 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 timing their run and all this kind of thing. But Tipperary are a weird crowd. Like I mean, their confidence for some reason when things start going wrong for them, they don't necessarily uh, respond that well to it. So like I mean, putting all their eggs into the into the championship basket. I don't know. I suppose it, then again, like Liam Sheedy said after the game last year, they lost the quarter final to Dublin. So maybe it's not all doom and gloom, you know, and they, they can turn it around. But they, they lost to Dublin in a quarter final last year. They played well in the Munster Championship, but they also got hammered by Limerick in the Munster final. It's, it, it, it's hard to know. I know Liam Sheedy is the right man to have them, uh, to get them fully right. But look, I think like Brendan Cummins said last night on the League Sunday show, a lot of this will be hindsight kind of stuff, depending on how the Munster Championship goes. Yeah, well, the only thing is, Colm, you said Liam Sheedy is going to really nail it to the now. So he's, he's a whip now to hit them with. They didn't hurry well yesterday, right? But what did Liam Sheedy want to get out of this league campaign? I personally don't think he, he has any real interest in the league, right? But what did he find? He found a couple of players. So he found Dylan Quirk, you know, simp- simple as that. He has Keane Darcy found. He also gave George Brown a, a match. He looked at Paul Maher, so he did a cornerback. He has Bonner Maher coming back into the into the squad see me back he's Brendan Maher to come back into the squad he has players come back and then he's lads that didn't hurl well yesterday they can also uh, hit with the stick so you know I thought Jermaine could have been better Brian Hogan he's the likes of uh, Bubbles Dwyer didn't play well Bubbles Noel McGrath didn't play well yesterday yeah he was poor so these lads he, you know Shamey Camlin even for his own fierce high standard so but they got no ball they, 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 they got no ball like in fairness to Bubbles and Shamey Callan they, did, they, didn't, right. they didn't even get a supply of ball with the wind never mind against the wind so like I mean it was just the way Tipperary didn't play that the conditions well at all but that's why he's that's why he is tough to work on and he, he'll get the best he'll get the best out of him but you're right but I said it before Colin I, I thought Limerick Limerick were the team that were, should have won the All-Ireland last year and they blew it against Kikini they, re, they really did you know because uh, Limerick showed Tipperary's real faults in last year's Munster final. Like they were all over them, you know. And you you speak about Noel McGrath. Like Noel McGrath was taken off in that game. Limerick were all over them, so they were. But Tipperary just they start training really hard now, said Will. You know, and uh, I, I still th- I still think they'll be very very dangerous. I don't think they'll win the All Ireland this year, Tip. But they, they will they will be very very dangerous. Yeah, I don't think they'll win the All-Ireland either. Do, do you think it's a weird one, them going on holiday, on the train, I'm going to say holidays, <laughs> they're going on the training camp this week. Like, I mean, coming after, whatever Limerick did it, um, all right, <clears throat> in a week's gap, and then coming up to the Westmead game, no disrespect, but you could see some logic to when they planned theirs. So Tipperary's, um, I suppose, sorry, yesterday was a, what, yesterday, Yesterday was meant to be the quarterfinal weekend. So, like, I mean, the, maybe Tipperary, Tipperary weren't planning on being in a quarterfinal at all if they're planning. Because the way I'm thinking, they're landing over wherever they're landing today. Sure, today's a, a write-off day. They have to recover. And tomorrow they'll still be a bit stiff. It doesn't sound, to, you know, it doesn't sound to me like the Monday after a potential quarterfinal was a good time to go. Maybe they were planning on never being in the quarterfinal and we're after cracking it here. That, that's why I said I don't think it really bothers uh, Liam Sheedy that much not getting to it. So now, if, we'll just say if they did beat Galway, they'd be coming back from a week's training for the wood and have to face into Wexford. Now their whole training week can now go back to what he really wants of it, where maybe it's a lot of physical running, get lads fit. He said he's behind you know, and they probably are behind the scenes. Yeah, no, 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 but, no, but ye- yesterday, which are the, the, it's, it's been put forward a week. So yesterday was supposed to be the quarterfinal. 
Do you get me? The yesterday, okay. the, the matches yeah. next week were supposed to be on this weekend, only, this, only these games were deferred. So they actually planned to go on holidays the Monday after uh, a league quarter final. Do you know what I mean? Or, oh, well, yeah, understand, understand you, yeah. So that, oh, that doesn't... Like he didn't leave. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're, you're 100... But he, he's going to train them hard. I'm telling you, Colm, he's going to, he's going to train the lard out in Tipperary, lads. And he, he, if anyone can get the best out of him, it's Liam Sheedy. That's, that's the long short. And he wants to find a couple of players. And I think he's found... They like the Dylan Cork and uh, Darcy, these lads. I, I think they're good players. And uh, he'll need them all to... Uh, Jerome Cal as well, another good young player as well there. He... he He'll get the best out of him, so he will. Yeah, no, exactly. Were you worried about Shane Cooney going off injured yesterday? Apparently, you'll know this better than me, he's, he's an injury-prone type of player because it looks to me like Shane O'Neill might be settling on that half-back line of Parik Mannion, Shane Cooney and Fintan Burke. Yeah, and the two boys, Fintan Burke and Shane Cooney, are from St. Thomas. Yeah. So they are, and they're two, two, two good players as well. Like, if you remember, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, they've been hurling very well as well for St. Thomas. So I, di- I didn't know that he, I didn't, I was wondering why they were taking him off, Colin, but then I seen him limping off. He's limping, yeah. So as you said, but, yeah, but he's, he's, uh, he's been a good find now and they've given him game time. So they have, and them two fights, in fairness, have hurled extremely well in the halfback line. So once again, it's more options. It's making the, it making it competitive as well for the team, you know, and then you said, if Dahi Burke was back, full back, uh, McInerney has to go back out into the half-back line which is putting more pressure on who's going to make the team so it's good competition for places so it's, but them two players uh, have been going very well uh, during this league campaign and it's good to see them getting a run Yeah, no definitely Talking about Tipperary going off for holidays it's just brought my attention to what like Don Logue was saying on, the, on League Sunday last night um, he was being asked, I just saw those quotes, I watched some of League Sunday, I didn't see it all. He was being asked about the league and how it just kind of, go, a lot of it goes through the motions and it's, you know, an awful lot of players being tried out. And he said, is that not what the league should be? It's your secondary competition. Look at it from a playing point of view. The skills are no less, the players are enjoying it, they're expressing themselves. And like, I can see the point he's trying to make here, but like, I mean, your secondary competition doesn't mean that it's it's treated in a way that a team books a holiday in between or a training camp in between a quarter final and a semi final. It doesn't it doesn't like it's eight games of the year. Like it's the biggest chunk of the whole year that is non competitive for fo- for five games of it until teams realise that they're, you know, it may be in a quarter final or whatever. Like I mean, I don't I don't know. I think there has to be a better way to do the league. I think you can't sleepwalk for, for most of the championship. He's talking about oh like it doesn't seem to be affecting the the attendances or the media interest and stuff. Like I mean, that is because it's the league. But if it continues on on the same path, like we have a warm up competitions in January for that reason to get to make ten changes in a game to make you know to try lads out in different positions. Your league and your championship are the two big competitions. I don't agree with everybody being okay with just the league that is okay for eight changes from one week to one week nobody knowing whether they're coming or going nobody knowing if a team cares about winning it or not I think that's a complete disservice to the National League and I, I wouldn't think Allianz are, are too happy would be too happy about it um, they're sponsoring it a long time and the fact that it's eight games to win it that's too long to be shadow boxing you know within the year Yeah well Brian Cody always said it was the second biggest competition in, in in the in the league calendar year, so he didn't. He used to always take it very seriously. Always said it, but I would agree with you. Just because you're trying out lads doesn't mean that you shouldn't be put in uh, in the effort. But like the league is meant to be there to find players. But you're right. 
there's been you know there's been that uh, water you know the crystal thing there would say the Munster League to try out other players but you, you've got to find a squad but you have to take it serious and as you said I don't think be too happy if lads are playing down the whole uh, National League thing you know uh, I, I have two National Hurling League medals so and an honour to say that I have them they were big so, back then yeah been, it was a big it was a bigger competition back then than it is now and I think a lot of it and we said this on the show before is a lot of it is now because the championship is a league so the league is much inferior league to the championship league and that's definitely affected interest yeah. in the league and then you have a break for a month in April which is new as well so you have a combination of the championship being a league and a much better league you have a combination of club only April month and then you have a situation where the National League which was once a really competitive league geez I remember Division 1 used to be an incredibly competitive um, league because the whole narrative around it was if you don't go well in the league you won't go well in the championship because that was Brian Cody's philosophy and now you have a situation where other than Cody uh, uh, Davy Fitz like John Kiley wants to win every game. They've just an incredible squad. But they're, John Kiley's making eight changes game on game. It's mad. You know, like a, from, an analysis, from an analysis point of view, you couldn't really be reading into anything into any of the games other than potentially now. Well, that's, that's exactly because lads now can say, so now they have a chance maybe to get into a league final. We might as well start taking the series. But yeah. likes of John Kiley making eight changes to teams. He's just giving lads a, a run as well. But he's also trying to keep the squad squad happy you know and you, you can see the, the teams that are kind of really trying to win it you know and the teams that like to maybe push on like, like the Wexford I can see Wexford really trying to push on to win the league this year uh, Limerick has such a competition for, uh, for places because what happens is you pick the team and lads are just standing up to the mark and really putting in good performances and getting wins uh, continue trying out new players because the Ballyhale lads weren't there for a while and they're trying to push on and try and make places but like this thing of not caring about the league like that that's absolute load of rubbish but you have to try out players but lads can still be fierce competitive and try win matches without you know making seven or eight changes and going look for trying out players during the league I find that can often be an excuse or you know Dublin have used that for the last two seasons that the main focus in the league was that we, we, we blooded players and we tried out players like you know at the end of the day you're playing matches to win them that's big column and that was my, my philosophy games are there to be played they're there to be won yeah, and I do think that if the I think if the league continues in its current format, while like Donald Logue said, the interest is still there now. Will it be? Will it still be there in four years' time? I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure if the league continues on with Westmead in one group where you know that they're the bottom team, and the other teams then Tipperary's Limerick's able to book holidays because they know that they're not in any bother in relegation. For me, I think that's out, an outrageous way to treat the national league, and that I think that they're going, they'll have no choice but to change change it back and have some sort of a trapdoor out of out of Division One A. Do you know, or else what? You know, yeah, or else. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Colin. There's, there's no, there's, you know, your argument is, is is completely right, and I couldn't agree with you more. You know, there's there's always one kind of escape team that you know if you're going to beat them, you're safe. You know, and, and we can try out these. So I couldn't agree with you more, Colin. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. We'll come back with performance of the weekend. A lot of people do say, "What do you love about hunting?" They do say, uh, "Is it is it the fresh air? Is it the great outdoors? Is it the trail?" No. I just love killing things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Performance of the weekend, and the first uh, nomination here is Garod Hegarty, Damien. Like, I mean, I was saying on the show here recently, I think he's arguably Limerick's most important player. 1 5, incredible goal. 
Um, and as John Kiley said after the game, he was struggling to get into the game at that stage. And he just, he said, he actually admitted it himself. He said, I was struggling to get in, to get on the ball before that. And it was a long ball hit in on top of Dahi Dempsey. I know he's decent in the air, so I said I'd make a run off him. So like, I mean, that was exactly it. It was it, like, when you know that these balls are going in, you can time your runs off them. Like, I suppose, from your point of view, being a corner forward and you're standing around and you don't know if the half-back now, if he's going to go for a point, if he's going to, you know, balloon it in or what he's going to do. But when you know Keane Lynch is going to give that diagonal ball, you know David Dempsey's probably going to catch it, you know exactly what your role in that situation is and that's to make a supporting run. Yeah, well, I thought that your man uh, Higgity was brilliant yesterday. One fight from play was unbelievable. And the one thing about him is he, he looks fierce, slow in matches. But he's so deceptive. He has such long legs. It's unbelievable. And the, he, his fitness levels are incredible as well, um, Colm. He's getting around the park. And I think he is one of Limerick's main players. He plays wing forward, but he comes out into the middle, field, middle of the field for the battle side. And he wins an awful lot of ball. And one fight, like, he pints on the sideline yesterday. Oh yeah, oh, that, was, that, that, was, that they, was an unbelievable. It looked wide that, that one though. That did it? Maybe it was wide. I don't know. It was given as a point, but it was just <laughs> it, was it was the flick. It was it was the flick hand strike motion real fast. It was just unbelievable, you know. And as I said, just to give on the goal, like the goal he scored was just absolutely brilliant goal, you know. I'm just give uh, Dempsey a bit of credit there. Dempsey caught the ball seen him come and laid it off unselfishly. I think Dempsey's going to be a huge find as well in there, but uh, Hagelty, his performance was just brilliant. I, I'm delighted because sometimes these players that can often be the workhorse of the team, you know, don't get the, the praise they deserve. And, and he, he, he had a great game yesterday, but it says he's a, he's a step, you think he's slow, but by Jesus, he's not slow. He's such long legs. Yeah. Like he's getting around the park. Oh, they're so big and rangy. When you look at him and you look at Kyle Hayes and you look at Boylan and you look at Keane Lynch, he's built like a bull. You know, you have Willie Donahue in around that. I know he wasn't there yesterday. They're, uh, Limerick are a monstrous team in around that middle third. Look at their half-back line. Burns, um, Burns, Hannon and uh, Morrissey. Sure, they're three monstrous men as well. Like, I mean, yeah. these lads, could, like, they're, the physicality of them and they hunt in packs and... Like to be honest, I thought yeah. they made. I thought they made Waterford are a small little team, and they've no defined. Yeah, yeah. Way, they don't seem to have any defined way of playing. They seem to be trying to run everything down the middle, and in the championship, that's not going to work. Like for example, with Waterford, you saw none of the type type of controlled ball that Limerick or Galway play into the full forward line. Like I mean, it's all. It all seems to be just. There's no pattern to their play. You could watch that game again. And you could say, yeah. what are they actually trying to do here? What's their defined game plan? And it's hard to find, it's hard. I know they're missing lads, but it is hard to see a pattern in their play. Yeah, well, just going back to the, the, the shape of the Limerick players, right? First of all, the shape, I think the physical condition of this Limerick player is unbelievable. And the one thing I know about nearly every one of them, the chest on them. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. The, the shape they're in, you know, and they're, they're training fierce hard. I know well they are. They've something to prove this year, the Limerick fight. But just going back to the then the Limerick uh, water game, I thought Limerick were kind of playing with them. Like, that's, that's yeah. the best. They, they oh, they hammered them. Like they any, hammered them. Yeah, they hammered yeah, Waterford. They hammered, they, 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 they're 100%. Yeah, it did, you know, it didn't, the scoreline didn't reflect the, the, the way the game was played, you know. And, but, uh, like you said, Waterford are missing players. They are missing players, you know, and, like Liam Cal came out and he said, like that both players and managers learned an awful lot. I just don't know. I, I'm I'm in the same I'm in the same way as I was last year. I don't think Waterford are going anywhere. Uh, anywhere this year. That's just me. I know they're missing players, but I think Limerick are going places 
this year. And I think they're finding players for new positions and they're trying out lads and they're strengthening their squad. And I think Limerick are going, I think Limerick are going to win the All-Ireland this year. I, that's, that's my opinion. But uh, Garrow Chagney's super performance and the Limerick players are in super shape uh, in a su- and they're in a great place at the moment. They've come a long way since you were writing them off here on this show t- uh, three years ago, haven't they? Yeah, but new management came in since. <laughs> new, ma- new management came in New management came in since, and you're right. Lim- Limerick were were, not, were in a bad place that time. I don't care what anyone says, but everything has changed. Their attitudes, their skill levels, their conditioning. Knorke uh, has gone in as a coach. They now try to win every game. They they come across as fierce down to le- down to level players. I love the way they hurled. They hit the seventy thirty ball. They carried. But I I like an awful lot of things uh, about. Uh, Limerick. If, if I had one fault, Limerick, I would say I I still have question marks. I still have question marks uh, over their fullback. That's that's my only at the moment. My case, so, you know, if a big, yeah, I just I think sometimes he's a bit slow. I think like I think the likes of um uh, um, jeez, uh, what uh, what's it called the goal player? Jeez, left hand top. We're talking about um, Connor Whelan. Whelan. I think Whelan. I think Whelan would cause him off problems. In open space, I yeah. think he would, but he, he, no, no, he probably that's would, me. but you, you'd, you'd find it wouldn't be him that would mark him. Do you know what I mean? He, they would make sure Finn, yeah. Finn yeah. is around yeah. English, English is, but Declan Hannan gives that full back line an awful lot of cover as well. And then you've Kyle Hayes and you've you know, Garrod yeah. Hegarty and Tom Morrissey picking up his man because they flood that middle third. They have their defensive. You never see Limerick getting exposed. You, like there is no way Limerick would allow what happened Tipperary yesterday happen for more. It might happen for five minutes, but that would be corrected immediately by Canark. Yeah, I see what to do is you're right. You're you're you know you're, you're after watching the game there and you're after analysing. They pack the defence when when the ball is is in defence, right? And what they do then, column is when they get the ball, you'll see all the stick passes to hands. Yeah. Once you get the ball to hands, they're allowing players to make their way back up the field, you know. And they, and then what they do is when they get the ball, then they hit the two boys. They always play two inside, as you. And next thing they're hitting the ball down the flank or into the space, you know. And you have Aaron Glan or Graham Mulcahy, you know, running. And then last, yet then they had empty in full forward if you wanted to hit a long range into the full forward so yeah, Limerick have a nice game plan now at the moment and, and everyone knows their job and I, I, I think Limerick are a lovely team to watch as well yeah, no, they definitely are. They're fantastic to watch. Killian Doyle was outstanding for Westmead. We spoke about him um, with, with Shane O'Brien, one fourteen. So he got a sideline at a really important time. He got a goal. He got one, uh, one, one, two from play and one fourteen in total. So an outstanding performance by him. Uh, Brian Concanon down here as well. Um, Damien, who got four from play. We've kind of touched on him already. I think he got a point on the 44th minute where he, he controlled the ball on the hurl rather than catch it and took the took the the speed the took the sting out of it completely and it just popped up into his hand. Do you remember that? Like I mean he definitely has all do, yeah. he's, he's got all the all the skills this fella and then out under the stand throws one up over his shoulder. He did an array, set up the two goals. You know, like I mean he had an outstanding performance. No, just to say about Killian Dial as well, one fourteen, just to say in conditions like that column, absolutely savage. That's that's number one, just to say well done to him. Unbelievable performance. And then we're on about um, uh, Brian Concanon. Well, no, he set up one of the goals, rather. 
yeah, but Colcannon is a good hurler. So he's, he's able to hurl, and I said he's not afraid to take a shot. And he's only going to get better. It's his third season in there, you know, and this management team are really after giving him kind of his go, as in, you know, giving him his opportunity. So he, he, I think he's nailed down the corner forward position. He got four brilliant points yesterday. Let's, yeah. let's call a spade a spade. And his last one was top notch. Like in, and at that stage, he had a wet jersey on him. He was after, it was after a big, massive shower. Uh, so it was, but uh, no, hurled really, really well yesterday. I thought he was extremely dangerous. And, and, and it hasn't just been yesterday. Like, he has he he taken on balls and he's created goal chances and everything. So he has, you know, and he could have created another goal there yesterday. But he's going to learn from that. But he had a very, very good performance yesterday. What do you make of Cottle Mannion's finish for his goal? It was brilliant because usually Top. most players will go the other br- side. Well, see, most players would go to the other side, and also Hogan would have, was expecting to go to yeah. the other side. But if you just watch him, when Nylon gave him the hand pass, he carried the ball in, and you see him looking the head up, and he's yeah. seen the inside, and it says, and he went near post, you know, and to be honest, he made Brian Hogan look like, kind of look stupid. Yeah. You know. There wasn't much to aim at there. There wasn't much to aim at there. There was only probably a foot between him, uh, between Brian Hogan and that post, but, like, Brian Hogan's weight was going was on a, his other foot to go the other way. It was a top class finish. Simple yeah. as that. All, all the top, all the top forwards. I, I'm telling you here and now would have went to that corner or went up to the top corner of the other side. But uh, oh, that was a great goal. And seriously, uh, no, you don't. You, have, you can't underestimate. You cannot underestimate that strike. Uh, that was no. that was a brilliant finish. And yet, you'd have to say about him when he's running in to that goal. He's just completely calm. He's he's completely got ice in his mind, and he just takes the tap onto his hand. There looks like there's no panic. He's a, he's not even going full speed. He's going maybe three quarters because he knows he's in a bit of space. And then he gets a look at the goalkeeper, and he's weighing all this up in his head, and he goes near post. Like I mean, uh, he's a phenomenal. He's a phenom- He like I mean, I'd say he's just so used to doing that 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 just can't. He didn't he didn't panic in that situation because sometimes when you have too much time, like you know, you're wondering what are you going to do with it, and you could make a balls. Of it. No, no, no. He, he, he's a very, very good forward. So he, you know, and yesterday I, I say he got a little bit frustrated yesterday. So he was because often I find when he gets frustrated, he gets kind of involved in a lot of niggles, and you know, he got involved in a little bit of a row just before oh, that. Yeah. Barry Heffernan. Kind of yeah, he got. It was kind of a frustrating game for him. They played him midfield, but yesterday they played him wing forward. So he did, and you know that was that was his real opportunity just to kind of get a score so but not to underestimate Nyland's hand pass well you know it was great but he's very cool he's very relaxed but the big thing about him as well uh, Colm is he's a very natural strike of the ball yeah. both left and right so he's, and he's and he's a, lo- he's a lovely strike of the ball actually but that was a great goal just you know that was a brilliant finish near sight top class yeah, winner of performance of the weekend has to go to Conor Whelan. I thought his all-around performance was absolutely phenomenal and we're not going to get back into Conor because we spent enough time. Usually I don't start the show with an individual performance but he was just so good yesterday, I just had to... Uh, so we've used up all our information and all our comments on Conor Whelan but he wins um, performance of the weekend. Very, very close call between him and Grode Hegarty. Another little bit of news, um, Damien, is Frank Hogan who's the man that goes to all the games and holds up the John 3-7 uh, sign. He's um, died. So condolences to his family. I have a John 3-7 sign here in the studio because it's iconic at GA matches. And the man travelled to uh, the length and breadth of the country and he was behind one of the goals on the terrace. He got banned out of Crow Park for uh, for a little while and then got left back in. But he, he's... Uh, 
I think John 7 reads, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Whatever that means. I'm not a religious uh, person, Damien. But I'm sure you've seen Frank um, in action. He's a tip man. I think he lived in Limerick. Yeah, but he's, he, uh, he's been going to games for years and years and years. And it wasn't just the big games. He went to the small games, the Mickey Mouse games, the Railway Cup games, the league games, the football games. He went to them all. So uh, he was there in my time and he was there before me as well. And he was still going to matches even up to, to say, the current year. So he was. So look, he will be missed. You know, it, it will be missed. So he will. So all you can say is, Lord's mercy and rest in peace. And uh, he didn't do any harm to anyone. So. And I said, yeah, I was well used to seeing the sign. Yeah, like everybody was. Right, we'll leave it there, Damien. Thanks very much. We'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview these two quarterfinals next weekend. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.